Here at So Here's the Thing, we value participating in your local community. Last season, we did a land acknowledgement before every episode, and although our intention was to honor indigenous communities where we live, because we are a digital publication, not everyone listens from the same tribal land. This season, we are taking 25% of our profits from ads and Patreon and donating it to the Duwamish tribe through Real Rent Duwamish. We encourage you to use the website native-land.ca to look up your local tribes and find ways to forge authentic relationships and donate to them directly. Here at Holiday House Media, we acknowledge that we record from and live on the unceded ancestral lands of the Squamish, Stillaguamish, and Duwamish people, peoples that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. We respectfully ask our listeners to research whose land they occupy. Fortunately, an indigenous-run nonprofit website called nativeland.ca makes it simple. Just type in your home address and it will give you a list of tribes whose land you live on, as well as links to learn about each tribe. Once you know, do your research on those tribes. Many have options to donate or pay rent, so to speak. If you are in the greater Seattle area, the Duwamish tribe has made this incredibly easy with real rent at https colon forward slash forward slash www.duwamishtribe.org forward slash donate. We use a template for this land acknowledgement from the Seattle Mennonite Church, which is posted on the Duwamish Tribe's website. We thank the Duwamish Tribe for making this information so accessible. Hello! And welcome back, finally, to So Here's the Thing! With Grace and Carly Season 2! Buckle up, (laughs) people, because we made a plan this time. We did. We made a plan. We talked to someone with a design degree yeah. you'll notice we have a bunch of cool marketing stuff which is super fun thank you to charlotte dismore contact you, charlotte. her for all of your marketing needs she's great but like also don't overload her she's busy <laughs> and she has a life and probably doesn't and she need to talk cheap, to you so yeah, she's really she, cool <laughs> she's very cool we love her we love her big shout out yes we are so excited to be back and we have some really really awesome films to talk to you about this season. So Mm -hmm. basically, the premise of what we're doing this season is talking about movies that were either ahead of their time or behind their time. Now, those phrases don't make a lot of sense. Especially when you're talking about movies. Correct. (laughs) We want to clarify a few things. First and foremost, when we say that we are talking about things that are ahead of their time, we're not talking about, like... Tactically, we're not talking about the way the film was made. Because we're not talking about Star Wars. We're not so talking get about Star it. Wars. Nobody we cares. will not be ever talking about Star Wars on this podcast, except in the next segment. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but we are going to be talking about the sociological impact of the film, not sociological, the social impact yeah. of the film, um, and ahead of its time doesn't really mean anything, but what we'll be talking about is, was it progressive for the time Mm -hmm. that it was made versus when we talk about things that are behind the times, we're mostly going to be talking about things that have come out recently that are particularly regressive, that are actually um, engaging with ideas that are harmful or problematic or just extremely dated. So that's what we mean. And we're going to get to our subject in just a second. We are talking about Mary Poppins this week. Mary Poppins! Socialist icon. Yes, down with capitalism. But 
before we do that, I would like to introduce you to a new segment called... So here's the thing about last week, where we can be completely random and talk about all the things we want to in the five minutes Grace allowed me to talk about this. (laughs) We wanted to keep a little bit of the absolutely zany, all-over-the-place energy from the first season, because we know some of our audience, some of our eight audience members really Um, do... Thank you. (laughs) ...appreciate the, uh, you know, contemporary topical energy of the podcast. So that's what this uh, this little segment is for. And then just jumping right in because again, Grace only gave me five minutes um, <laughs> in case you were not following us on the gram, on the Instagram. We went to Disneyland and it was super great and so we're gonna brag about it but actually before we do that, Grace has a thought about the Emmys. Okay. So before we talk <laughs> about Disney really quick, I'm confused about the Emmys now. Keep in mind, I've done no research for this whatsoever, <laughs> but I feel like the Emmys happen every three to six months every year. And like our multiple days. There's no rhyme or reason. They happen all sorts of days. And I know that Probably only one is televised, but it also feels like more than one might be televised. And people get dressed up on multiple days. I don't get it. And I would love for someone to explain to me, because it feels like the Emmys are ephemeral. Like, they're they're always and never happening. They're, they're not, not ephemeral. Ineffable. They're ineffable. They're always happening. They're, always they're happening, never happening. happening. You can't ever fully know the Emmys. Because it just, just felt like, Emmys. I was about a week ago that I was like, I feel like the Emmys are happening every second. (laughs) Like, I see social media posts about the Emmys for, like, a full two weeks, but the event never actually happens. I don't know. I I might be alone in this thought. I might be crazy. But that is how I feel about the Emmys. Now I'm going to talk about my rants because um, we went to Disneyland. And Disneyland, I love you. You will, like always have a special place in my heart, but you are absolutely making me very angry at the moment because they have gotten rid of their Fast Pass uh, tickets. For those of you who don't care about Disney as much as me, you probably don't care, but Fast Passes were exactly how I make the park, like, to the ultimate level of, like, greatness because it's a lot of money to go to Disneyland and, like, what a bummer. But, like, I will use every second of it and the best way to do that is Fast Passes and I had, like, created a system where I would get so much bang for my buck and it was so great. And you know what they did right before we went? They're like, ha ha ha, LOL, no more fast passes. And instead they're going to put in this stupid genie system thing, which is a paid for fast pass lines. You have to pay extra because we're going to piecemeal our tickets out now. $20 extra. $20 for Disneyland per per day to like ride rides a little bit faster. But like, Guess what, folks? Um, it ain't even good enough because you have to pay extra for the, like, special rides. Which, that <laughs> was really what got me. I know that Disney charges an obscene amount of money and that they're a capitalist hellscape. I understand this, and I'm still willing to engage with their rides because they're fun. Have you ever been on Space Mountain? It's damn blast. <laughs> it's their But when they charge piecemeal, well, first of all, when they charge over $100 for a ticket to enter the park, and then they piecemeal out individual rides, so you are probably going to have to pay 5 to $10 to ride the most popular rides, that is where I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I can go here anymore. Like, that is so shady, and it's going to just con so many families who are just trying to have a good time out of their money. And, like, if it were, if Disney weren't a billion-dollar, like, leeching corporation, I would maybe feel a little bit better about conning a bunch of, like, white families out of their money. (laughs) But 
they are actually just super predatory. And this feels so tasteless. I don't know how to describe it. It's really it's just, just shady. Just build it into the ticket price and I wouldn't be angry at you. Exactly. Bump the ticket price and it would be fine. And then it just makes it like even playing from for everyone. Like once you get in like points to Alaska Airlines mm-hmm. who does that already. Like when you look at flights online, that's the price you pay because they build in the fees already, which is really I nice. I like that they that. do that. I like that they round up to even people. numbers. Just tell us what we want to hear. Right. And that is that that the end so here's the thing with grace and carly just be honest about these things also god damn it flip splash mountain already oh you had a whole, <laughs> you pandemic. Had a whole pandemic to do it, it was closed <laughs> for a year and they built an avengers campus and then during the summer of of black lives matter of of 2020 they were like we're gonna flip our racist ass ride to be a princess in the frog ride and we're like all right well you didn't fix racism but it is a tiny tiny baby step and also listen i think disney is the worst but also i love princess and the frog it's so good and it fits so it well fit with splash so mountain well in the area in splash mountain the, the track, track goes is so like, well and right. so I was like, oh, I'm so excited, and we're going to go to Disney, and they're going to have the Princess and the Frog ride. No, they couldn't flip it. Or not couldn't, they didn't, they didn't flip it. They flip chose it. not to. So they better flip it this winter, and yeah. I'm they're already on thin fucking ice. <laughs> but it was still a really fun trip, and we, we had, had a great, great time, time, and we ate some uh, churros, some Mickey had ice creams, some... I had a Dole, Dole Whip. Dole Whips, for Grace, not for me. It was so um. good. Oh my god, the snacks in Disney, y'all literally the best thing of all time they're so tasty and you're so hungry that you're like everything is delicious i had a frozen treat in california adventure (laughs) that was lemon dairy free custard shout out to ellie cook who talks about their like allergy friendly stuff all the time it true it true there was no dairy in this ice cream and then it was also mixed with like a slushy like a blue raspberry slushy so it was lemon and blue raspberry and the different textures were so great it's like i don't know if any of you all are from philadelphia but shout out to the philly folks it was like custard and water ice it was like something from rita's and it was so Ah, so good. Yes. Grace, we ran out of time. I know. I think we got to call it on this segment. We did a little introduction this time, so, time. so we're, we'll call all it five well. minutes. We'll call it five minutes. We did it. I think it is time for us to move on. Time to talk about Mary Poppins. Yeah. All See right. you on the other side. <laughs> See you on the other side. P.S. We didn't talk about Star Wars. Uh, there were Star Wars rides, and they were uh, fun, but Star Wars is still... Not what we're talking about. Not what we're talking about. Um, But the Star Wars rides were fun. And objectively, the early movies were great. But not because they were good space movies, but because they were hilarious. (laughs) All right. That's all I have to say on Star Wars. Now we're going to talk about Mary Poppins. So here's the thing. About Mary Poppins. Uh, Oh my goodness, (laughs) y'all. We are coming to you from a few weeks before this episode is going to air. And let me tell you, I've watched so much Mary Poppins adjacent (laughs) content in the past week or so. For the first time, too. Like, things that you haven't seen before. Yes, correct. You are now seeing, and I'm a nerd, so I've been seeing all this (laughs) when it comes out. But Grace I didn't watched see any of that. I love Mary Poppins, Mr. Banks yeah. and the second Mary Poppins. Um, spoiler Jesus. alert! 
second Mary Poppins is bad. It's so bad. <laughs> and I will try to, because we're talking about the 1964 Mary Poppins, I'm going to try to keep it brief on why the new one is so terrible, but it will come up. Um, <laughs> I've had all of this content swirling around in my head, and I have been trying to tell people about it as if they care. They don't, and they shouldn't. Like, why should they care about but that? But these people care. <laughs> you you out there listeners, all 12 of it's you. It's true, because you saw the sign on this episode that said we were talking about Mary Poppins, and you still chose to click play. So either you love us very much. Thank you. Or you care about Mary Poppins. And I got some things to tell you. Yes. But before we launch into that, Grace, I think we should tell them a bit about the time period since that is the the gist around it. Since that's the thing with this season is we're talking about why things are ahead of or behind their times, which really, as we discussed, it, it more means that they are progressive or regressive for the time period in which they were produced. So I think Mary Poppins, I mean, we've decided that it is progressive. Um, Yes, absolutely. The year that it came out was 1964. Let's take you back in time. Yes, all All the way back to 19... Oh, God, how many years ago was that? I don't know how to do math. 60-ish? We're going to call it about 60. About 60... Now, this time in general was a pretty progressive time. So I don't know if we can give Mary Poppins points for, you know, it being like a really conservative, regressive moment in history. And then like this movie came out and changed all of that. It just it just was able to package an extremely progressive message that was controversial at the time in a children's story. So things that were happening at this time, Carly, do you want to? Yeah. I mean, before we go into that, I just want to say like. what? I think another reason that it stands out to us and that we are here is because, like, TBH, Disney doesn't do a lot of it's progressive true. things. Yes. Like, um, spoiler alert, I'm just going to say this all the time. Um, this is the only Disney show, Disney movie that we're going to talk about that is ahead of its time. It's true. If we talk and about any other Disney movies, they are going to be, mm. we're not going to have nice things to say. And I'm sorry, but you know what? We just gave them so much money to go ride <laughs> some rides. So I don't feel bad. And they were so mean and stressful. Uh, it's fine. Anyway. <laughs> um, anywho, but just, I think that that's, I mean, not that like they're special and they deserve a pat on the back for doing it once, but just that it. I think it's surprising. It is surprising that it came from them. In this time period, like... And based on who Disney is as an organization, yeah. and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but we're going to provide some historical context. Yes, historical first. context. 1964, the Civil Rights Act gets passed. passed. Yes. Um, civil Rights Act gets passed. MLK receives the Nobel Prize. So civil rights is a big thing. And this is maybe one of the biggest drawbacks of the movie is that's not really addressed in mm-hmm. this film. That being said, this is also during the Vietnam War. So it is during a time when there is a lot of contention just sort of between people who are pacifists and not wanting to get involved in overseas land wars and people who think that's a good idea, which goes along with, and this is brought up in Mary Poppins, um, imperialism. Mm -hmm. And is that bad? Spoiler alert. It's bad. It's bad. bad. Don't do it. Don't, it's too late now for most of these situations, but like, (laughs) but don't imperialism is bad. Oftentimes that is not expressed from, 
um, children's media groups. Oh, no, definitely not. Especially because they're funded often by conservative groups that uh, don't think imperialism is that bad. So I think that that is... They pat themselves on the back. They're like, hey, we did a cool thing. How brave of us to go out and, like, conquer a new land. And this this movie doesn't do that. No. No, in fact, it says, if anything, the opposite. And I think that... It's maybe not that this message was so outlandish for the time period, but the fact that Disney was saying it was... Anyone was saying it. Anyone was saying it. I mean, I don't want to... Besides people who were... Because there were people protesting in the streets against the Vietnam War. popular media. Because popular media was not. This was popular. I mean, it depends on which list. Grace looked up one list, and I looked up a different list, and my list said... That Mary Poppins was in the top five, and her list did not have Mary Poppins in the top five. So, you know, believe who you're going to believe. This is um, of the films at the time. Oh, yeah, of the, of of the, the 1964, 1964 that came out that year alongside My Fair Lady and right. the whole Audrey Hepburn versus Julie Andrews, Team Julie Andrews, all the way. And My Fair I Lady also is... I, you know, Audrey Hepburn's delightful, um, and she just doesn't hold a candle to Julie Andrews in I want Julie Andrews theater to adopt me. It's fine. I love my grandparents very much. I don't want new grandparents. I just want an extra one. An extra grandparent. Yeah, that's understandable. I love her, which, I mean, also makes it really easy to talk about this movie because I'm like, oh, look at her first time look on a movie stage. Julian. She's so young, and she's singing so good, and I love her so much. Oh, um, yeah. No, she is, she is truly, truly... A delight to watch on screen, but I think also looking at the other movies of that time, looking at maybe My Fair Lady specifically is a good example. It's, while they do, it's based on Pygmalion, and it does call into question some of the British aristocracy's pomp and circumstance. It doesn't really go so far as to say that world is incorrect. It's kind of irrelevant to Eliza, but it's still... I mean, it's still revered in a way that I like it doesn't that society doesn't really get undermined and the the poor, the working class get shit on. Yeah, just as much like the the rich people in that show generally get like lightly poked fun at and the poor people are made to look stupid. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is like you weren't good enough in your class and so we're gonna try and make you better this is the superior this is what you yes want we're gonna to try be. and make you better we're but like you... oops you can't really do that to a human being ah fuck what do we do now yeah. um I mean... and in the play it's like well i don't know what we do now yeah. and then in the musical it's like they get married <laughs> but i digress um, we're not talking about my fur lady that just gives a good context of the kind of work that they're producing at that time especially just in musical theater movies yeah in this same genre you have my fair lady and you have mary poppins mm-hmm. and like I, like you said it just gives good context to why we picked it right for this episode and i think a lot of people might be a little surprised at us picking this movie especially for the kickoff and let's be honest this one is mostly our kickoff just because we are we, going to be and we're not there we, yet you'll get an update before this at disney. um <laughs> we are we're going to disney and going all so at the same time we're gonna get on cute little you... promo photos with mary poppins if she's walking around the she's park she's not gonna be walking around the park i don't know um, we'll see we haven't hashed out all the details yet <laughs> but this movie was always on our list yes and i think it's because the ways in which it's progressive are a little bit more 
subtle. They're subtle, but they're there. And, like, that's what's intense about it, or that I love about it, is because it hides it from people who wouldn't originally think like this, and it just, like, underlines it. And you're like, well, you can't watch this movie without eventually coming to this thought. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. I think the other context that I want to give, because we've given a, a good idea of, like, what's happening in America. I mean, it's the 60s. So people know what are, what's happening in the 60s. Welcome um, to the 60s. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not hairspray. I am uh, not talking about hairspray. We will but not you be discussing hairspray on this did podcast. did just say, and it just it popped into my head, and this mm. is a stream of consciousness podcast. So. So... I also wanted to give a little context to the author of the books. I don't know who told me this, but someone did tell me at one point that P.L. Travers, who is the author of the Mary Poppins books that the movie is obviously based on, was like a dirty imperialist at some (laughs) point. And I don't know. I didn't really look it up, but I just kind of took it as fact because like, listen, authors in the 60s (laughs) in Great Britain, white authors in the 60s in Great Britain, that's kind of par for the course peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> and i think what i learned especially in watching saving mr banks and i was googling as i watched this movie because i wanted to make sure that all of the details were true but most of it really is they actually kind of get her early life very correct and i i she herself lived in a colony she lived in australia with her family but they grew up very poor yeah and she watched as the sort of manifest destiny dream just crumbled before her family's eyes. Yeah. And she imbued that into Mary Poppins. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I think that is something. First of all, Peel Travers' reputation is not clean per se, but she didn't grow up like a wealthy aristocrat in a no, British colony. No. She grew up as as a child of a working and, class person looking for a new start. Yeah. And she um, was... It's really an, more of like an immigrant story. I mean, her dad's She was Irish. born there, though, right? She was born in she Australia. She was born in Australia. But her dad's from but Ireland. But then they... Yeah, they had to move when she was real little, like farther out... They did. ...of the... Out of town, because um, he he had a hard life too, and he was an alcoholic, and yes, he was important to her, and then like died in tragic death of. And she, I'm not gonna paint P.L. Travers as a feminist icon in any sense, but I think she actually, in the books, chips at the toxic masculinity of the time and of the time during her childhood um, that really kind of ended up taking her father's life. And yeah. she's she's probably not even really aware that she's doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see how she took her own story and imbued it into George Banks's story in Mary Poppins, you see that deconstruction of this like hyper masculine like i must provide for my family the best job is the job that gets me the most money that affords me the most opportunities um she really does piece that apart um and i think disney did actually honor that quite well in the film which is mm-hmm. and and watching saving mr <laughs> banks i think i'm like i'm i'm so glad even though she was so disappointed with the film at the end of the day i'm so glad that she was so hard on everybody on that team 
because I don't think Disney would have... It wouldn't have been the same film. It, they wouldn't it have wouldn't gotten have it if she film. was not there every day working yeah. on this film Driving everyone nuts. <laughs> Driving everyone nuts. But you know what? She had to do it and they didn't get it right no. away. No. And it took them a while to get it. And she, I think she cornered them <laughs> into a more progressive message than they initially were yes. intending. So P.L. Travers, good for you. And then we're also going to admonish you a little bit later for some other crazy bullshit in yeah. your writing. Um, but we're going to get to that. I think we should talk about the specific elements of Mary Poppins that uh, that make it a let's, progressive film for its yeah, time. Yeah, now we, you've had the knowledge yeah. and we're done with that. So now let's get to the fun stuff. <laughs> um, um, where do we even start? Like, the beginning? The very beginning, the very beginning. is... Okay, not the very beginning. That's okay, where well. Bert does his whole, like, <laughs> rhymey business. And we hear Dick Van Dyke doing the most god-awful Cockney accent anyone's ever done. so specific. I don't hate it's it. Just, That's the problem. I don't even... It's so wrong, <laughs> and it doesn't even make me mad because he's so charming. But yeah, that was going to say, but Grace is watching it, and, like, he does his last little bit, and Grace goes, like... God, he's so I just can't even this, be mad but I can't even be Because mad. he's so charming. He's and so we're like, charming. What a sweetheart. We, we love a, him. What a cast. What, what a cast. A, like, the guy... We're going to get into this later, but the guy who plays George Banks, like, you nailed it, man. Like, oh the God. script was there, but, like, he easily could have been a different story. Again, a different if story. Played it differently, if he played no, it differently. He truly got it so well. But I think the first thing that we see, and it's very... it's I think it's the second song. Um, yeah is the the women's suffrage song which i will say this this is the this is the sherman brothers i'll give credit to them <laughs> feel trevor's gonna even want this to happen let's talk about the sherman brothers for a second but not the actual sherman brothers <laughs> you want to talk about the ones from i want to talk about mr. the banks. ones from saving mr banks which are uh oh god um the guy from the office whatever his face is fuck what is his name i don't remember um and then the other guy uh, bj novak and um Oh my god. This is gonna drive me. The guy crazy. from Wet Hot American Summer. It's I'm it's gonna, gonna almost got. I'm gonna well, get well, it. Well Grace thinks about this. I'm gonna tell you what happened when I saw this movie the first time. Mm-hmm. I was like, Wow, that's what the Sherman brothers look like. But also consider if we ever need to make a movie about the property brothers from HGTV, these two have to play the property brothers. Like, I understand the property brothers also kind of maybe act, but who cares? It has to be these two. They look exactly what I imagine a property brothers movie is going to look like. So side note, important, everyone write it down that I said it first. So jot that down. So here's that thing. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> but anywho. That's um, what so we should do. This Sherman Brothers wrote this Sherman song Brothers wrote the song about women's, women's suffrage. suffrage, which is just so timely for the 60s because it's also second wave feminism. That's mm-hmm. when women were like, hey, maybe we should also be able to get we credit should. cards. Yeah. Uh, have a job. And like, have a job. Do stuff. <laughs> do stuff. Not just, yeah, be beholden to our husbands constantly. And maybe we shouldn't even have husbands. I don't know. Um <laughs> And I, like, right off the bat, and and I think the the real brilliance of this, and again, this is hats off to Disney, she's not made to look like a bad mom just because she is a feminist activist. No. Like, it's, because you make, it makes it clear at the end of the movie, you can be both. She takes her votes for women's sash and she ties it to the end of the kite. She's like, the kite needs a good tail. It's like, you can... Be an active parent who loves your child Mm -hmm. and, like, also be an activist 
four votes for women. And you have a daughter, so of course you want to do that. Like, our daughter's daughters will adore us. us. (laughs) Singing grateful. Yeah. Like, like it's not even just about her. I think in that song specifically, and one of the things I like about it is, like, it's beyond just one person. Absolutely. And it's not just about, like, she doesn't do this because, like, her life is hard and, like, this is not a movie about women's suffrage. It's just there. It's just it's, there. It's there being a positive thing. And it's, she's still a, a middle class, like, upper middle class. Yeah, upper middle class. Upper middle class, like, family. So they have money. They have a cook and a maid and stuff. But, mm. so she doesn't have to be an activist. Her life would be totally be cushy and fine. fine if she wasn't. But if she, she wasn't. Decides but she decides to um, because it matters to her. And yeah. frankly, there are, there are a million other reasons why a mother at that point in time could be a neglectful mom. And I think it was actually, like, extremely respectful and progressive of them to choose to make her a suffragette. And, and not make that a bad thing, just maybe call into, like, call everyone into, everyone in the film into being more, you know, open with each other as a family. That's what's really fun to see at the end. And I, this yeah. makes it sound all, like, gushy family values. That's not what I'm, I'd like, I'm about to talk about, like, socialism. But... <laughs> it's coming, guys. No worries. But also, I think at that time, especially with women, there was a... The, the narrative from people who generally were into Disney movies, which were families, as they mm-hmm. always have been, is, like... You are selfish <laughs> if you're working instead of being at home with your children. And that is not the narrative. Oddly enough, even though she is at the beginning of the film being a little neglectful of her children, it the narrative at the end isn't, oh, well, she's going to stop being an activist because, you know, she's a parent now and she really needs to buckle down and, like, be there for her kids. It's no. like, actually, she can do she's both. She's doing both. It's okay that... She is a suffragette. Sometimes she's not going to be able to spend time with the kids. And you know what? They're rich, so they can pay for child care. <laughs> um, but it's okay for her to do both of those things. And it's okay for, like, her husband doesn't have to admonish her. He can celebrate that part of her. Yeah, he never says anything, like, don't do that. No, he He's just great. says going through six nannies in, like, four months or something crazy <laughs> like that is a little ridiculous. And, and Grace goes... To be fair, no tea, no shade. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is that is unacceptable. <laughs> and I think we're gonna after this get into both the uh, socialist and toxic masculinity deconstruction. Well, it's not a de- deconstruction of socialism, but deconstruction no. of imperialism and toxic masculinity. Yes. Um, later after the ad break. So enjoy this uh, short little break in which we uh, tell you to uh, use this podcast service in case you want Thanks to Thanks for use giving podcast. them an ad before the ad, Grace. You're that welcome. Was, really Hire good. me, Anchor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you on the other side. So here's the thing. With Grace and Carly, and it's season two. We have been able to do all this thanks to this free app called Anchor. We use their creation tools to create our podcast just how we want it. And then it does all the work distributing it to places like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. And we make money! That's right, folks. You two can talk into the oblivion and get paid to do it. So no matter the size of your following, even if you still only have those 12 listeners... Or if you're mega famous like us. Well, 
More or less. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on your very own podcast. Okay, welcome back. In case you guys didn't know, because you don't, because you were on a commercial break, but um, for us, it's been a solid, like, 20 more minutes um, because we were having some technical difficulties. In case you haven't noticed, we sound real good because Grace got us a fancy new microphone, but... Boy, howdy, have we been um, learning how to work it. We're still trying to figure out how to be uh, real podcasters. Hence the, like, cohesive theme. I hope you guys enjoyed that this time around. We decided to not pick the podcast topic two days before we released the podcast. How boring. (laughs) Um, But we also did get a fancy new mic, which has been really fun to be playing with. And I hope that you're enjoying the streamlined new sound. I hope you can hear us greatly. Um, Um... but I am technically challenged. Um, we both have I to sit here. Cannot, I cannot. I, audacity is so useful, and I'm just not smart enough for it, is what I've <laughs> learned. But we figured it out, and it's fine. And it we're only took about 30 seconds and for you. Here now, you have no idea, except now you do, because I enjoy being really transparent with our listeners. I, I think, think it, it keeps us on our toes. Well, that's also just how you build good relationships, yeah. is transparency and Trust honesty. And honesty, and we are um trusting of you yeah we're trying to build a good relationship with our audience base so you're welcome everybody Um, you're welcome back to so here's the thing (laughs) yes before it gets too far into this podcast we want to talk about kind of the main points of why this socialism yes socialism (laughs) is really what it is um when mary poppins says feed the birds what she means is feed the poor And I stand by that. Feed the less fortunate. I I will say, I think everyone who has not actually done a rewatch of this in recent years should for this scene specifically. I mean, you're going to enjoy the whole thing because it's a good musical. Super califragilisticexpialidocious. It's very fun. This scene, though, one... Makes you cry I'm going to get to this, but, like, the just the breakdown of George Banks' character is so good. But when the kids go to the bank and Mary Poppins sits them down for bed and she's like, you know, sometimes through no fault of his own, someone people can't... can't people see, can't yes. see past the end of their own nose. Um, and it's a very gentle way to talk about George Banks and his, um, his you know, knuckles-gone-white attachment to the system of capitalism in England at the time, because this musical is set, we should have said this, the musical set in 1910, Um, but it says it at the beginning of the musical. He's like, an Englishman in 1910, King Edward's on the throne, it's the age of men. And they say that because it's not, it's not the age of men, it's the age of women. See that throughout the whole musical. (laughs) It's brilliant. Um, But, but. You don't like the musical, so it's fine. No, no, no. I mean, like, the movie. Oh, no, we're okay. not talking about the musical. I have a... You that's a whole... the musical, and I was like, girl, what? <laughs> it is a musical. It's just a movie musical. No, yes, the no, I stage musical, I'm not going to speak about because it gets me absolutely livid. As much <laughs> as I hate Mary Poppins Returns, I hate the stage musical of this movie more. It they is... just ruined it. They took all the good parts that we were going to talk about, and they awful. threw it's, it in the trash. It's truly awful. <laughs> I, I can't... Mm, it's such a bitter taste. So, never mind. Um... So, yeah, 1910. 1910. Um, and she sits them down and you're like, she, he can't see past the end of his own nose. Please remember. And she tells them the story about the bird woman. Um, and, and the bird woman is a metaphor. We could have gone a little bit more on the nose with that metaphor. I think it's you're like, going to find that a few times. There's a few moments where it's like, maybe you could have hit that a little harder. It's a bit soft. But... 
the the metaphor clearly is this this woman is is a woman who is less fortunate but she is also redistributing even the wealth that she gets from everybody giving her money mm-hmm. to those that are less fortunate yeah. the poor little birds. the birds not a perfect metaphor those pigeons at saint paul's cathedral are very fat they get fed all the fucking time <laughs> but i get the idea and it's it's a great metaphor and then they go to the bank and the the uh federal fiduciary bank song where all the bank partners are talking to michael about what he can do with his tuppence is so political they're talking so about that part is on the dams <laughs> across the nile basically listing off all of these things that england has traditionally been very proud of in their imperialist history but the way that it's constructed in oh, the it's movie so predatory. is so scary it's evil. terrifying i it, michael runs away they're like trying to grab his money and it's not like oh like i'm you know hoarding my money it's just that they're trying to like take something that is his and what you see there is older greedy white men imperialist white men trying to steal money from the vulnerable in the name of progressing Mm -hmm. in an imperialist way yeah and it's terrifying and michael runs away and he's right to do so they're they're terrifying him they're they are terrifying. They're they're going at him and they're listing one thing after the other and mm-hmm. the the staging of it isn't even like, oh well well Michael was scared. It's like, no, you are supposed to look at these guys, these imperialist old white guys, and be like, No, they that is bad. Like that the things that you are saying is not good. And it's not even just like one bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite one of my I've said this so many times already. Um, but one of the things that I like about this movie is that it isn't this one bad guy, this one bad banker. This person was bad. Mm. It's the system in which these all of these bankers it's are a part system. of that they've got roped into. That they it's they, capitalism and imperialism that has fueled this massive amount of greed. Yeah, and causes people to not take care of each other to Mm -hmm. to let people suffer and starve and george banks has been kind of blinded to that in his desire to provide for his family and also attain personal glory father did and his father before him and exactly it's just such a system and it is truly the system is at fault there's not really a villain in mary poppins which is the beautiful thing about it and that is what is so wrong with the new mary poppins is that they actually do they take colin firth and they make him into this evil banker and then at the end they do kind of undermine the message of the first mary poppins where it's like actually he was just a bad man banks are good yeah. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> and the original you, movie was telling you that. They were telling movie. you these large banks that are trying to make investments in foreign countries and prey upon the people in those countries. Those are bad. Those are bad. And the new movie just shits all over that. It's and like, it, what if we realized that the first movie was good and made a good point? And what if we ran in the opposite what if we direction? Ignored it? That? What like, if we What if we made a mistake and now we believe yeah. in capitalism? Yeah, what if Disney is worried about their position in a capitalist society so they can't push forward messages like this anymore? It's really sad. I think it's also, it's just, it's sad to watch this movie and watch kind of how Disney has kind of devolved. Grace hates it because it came out after Saving Mr. Banks, which like, Got the point. You had the blueprints. <laughs> you had you. The movie came out 
I, it couldn't have been more than like three years before. Yeah, it wasn't. That it was much not time that much time. They had the blueprints. They knew. They knew what they clearly made it did special. the research about the author. They knew why it was important, and they ignored it all. <laughs> I'm so mad. But the original does, and I'm mad because the original does such a good job. Yeah. George Banks, when they finally call him after Michael starts a run on the bank, the bankers are like, well, we can't keep George Banks around. His kid's going to make people take all their money back. Um, And he did. And I'm like, good for you, Michael. Get your money out of that god-awful bank. Start a credit union. Um, But when George goes to essentially get fired, he's, I I don't know, it's the the most beautiful, this is just artistically, it's beautiful. Okay, yeah, artistically, I mean, artistically, the whole movie is beautiful. His walk to getting fired, like, he gets the call that he's Mm -hmm. basically, he's going to the ceremony where he gets fired. Um, (laughs) And he, he walks on this, like, hazy London street by himself, and the cinematography is just marvelous, and it shows... It shows the weight that he carries as he goes in there. And then when he's in that meeting, they ask him if he has something to say. And he has the most incredible personal 180 moment that I've <laughs> ever seen in cinema, maybe. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. I he mean, looks it's... at the tuppence that Michael gives him and it clicks. It's... It clicks and he's like, this is, this is nothing. This is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And the bankers are like, oh, what do they say to him? And he's like, they're, oh, they're like, there's no such word. And he's and like... He's... Um, it's a wonderful word, actually. Yeah, and it, when it comes to think, think of it, there's no such thing as you. And, like, when he says that, it's a joke. But at the same time, it is him having this, like, flood of deconstruction of, like, no, none of this matters. I've committed yeah. my whole life to this. And, and none, of, none it of it is, is what matters to me. Yeah. I'm going to go invest time in the people that I love. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful personal 180. I mean, oh, it's such a build, too. Because it... it, it it's an in-the-moment switch. It's an in-the-moment discovery. Like, uh, acting. Mm-hmm. We love it. Um, but, like, it is a build because it, it starts, and it'll intersect really nicely with our toxic masculinity thing because it, it starts does. when he gets the phone call and he's like, dang, like, I'm angry. And then Bert goes, well, what if you weren't angry, though? Yeah. And it's this conversation, and then... Between two men, between two, which two is men. lovely. Where and he's one like, this is, is Mary Poppins' fault. And he's like... It, Maybe it is Mary Poppins' fault. But actually it isn't, though. But what if it's it's not? not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... But he doesn't say it. Bert doesn't tell him the answer. He doesn't tell him that. He just says, yeah, well, maybe you're... Bert is an interesting character in the same way that Mary Poppins is. And, like, they're like... They don't give you the answers. They give you the tools to find your own answers. Mm -hmm. So Bert arms George with some some tools, but doesn't, doesn't solve the answer. And so then when Michael comes down... And it's like, we want you to have it. Like, this is what's important is this human connection of, like, mm-hmm. you are important. All the dominoes fall so perfectly. It just falls so perfectly. So that it's, it's right there. And he when he makes it, he puts all of the things that he's happened in the last 20 minutes. That walk is important. There's a reason they show it in the movie is because that, that he's percolating all of the information. Mm-hmm. So that when it comes down and this moment, this, this make or break moment where the bankers are like, this is the thing. And he's like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't the thing. Mm-hmm. The thing is in home, yeah. my children, my wife, the people that I love. It allows George Banks to discover tenderness in a way that you just don't see at that point no. in cinema. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Just it's... his, his, his laughter. 
Yes. <laughs> his laughter. The of levity. Like, of like, this is all ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then he comes home and he just like spins his wife around and it's, it's all, it's all silly and, and fluffy, but that's profound in a society that punishes men for being anything other than serious and and punishes men for being open and and vulnerable with their feelings showing that they care about something Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like he does he cares about his kids he goes how many men's are kite he fixes their kite spends all night doing it um and that's, I think that's just the really beautiful deconstruction of the toxic masculinity, too, is like that, and, and toxic masculinity goes hand in hand with capitalism and imperialism, yeah. and we don't have time to get into all of that we today, have time. <laughs> but we have a little bit of time, and I, capitalism thrives off of selfishness and yeah. off of of zero sum off of i i don't i i you have to be losing something for me Maybe. to win or vice versa yeah um and i think the same same with toxic masculinity yeah. you if you're tender and open with your feelings and emotion then you're then you're weak then you're losing something somehow mm-hmm. And I think we just don't see portrayals of men at this point in history. Even in the 60s, because it's it's set in 1910, but it was made in the 60s. You don't see men. Mm -hmm. I mean, we look at the My Fair Lady example. Oh, he doesn't show any emotion, even at the end. He's like, please come back. Henry Higgins is like, please come back, but like doesn't really show any Any sense of... Or change. Or change. There is no change in Henry Higgins. (laughs) George Banks makes... This incredible, incredible character change. And while he is given the opportunity to, because obviously he he loses his job, and so something has to change, but that could make him bitter, and he chooses the opposite. He chooses to just open up his heart and and let that make him tender instead. He decides (laughs) to care about other people Mm -hmm. instead of wallowing in self-pity. And Mm -hmm. that is extremely profound it's hard to find even now yes men a man that's allowed to make that journey yes exactly who's allowed to make that journey and we see i mean george banks never hated his family no but everything had to be according to society exactly that's his first song he comes in and he's like at six o'clock i come in the door at 605 i pat my children on the head and i send them to bed right like and he has such this desire for control and in his letting go of control he's allowed to give so much more yeah. to the people in his life and 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 allowed to emote and express yeah. his feelings. Be something bigger than what society like keeps him in this box. He expands out of his box and and just becomes something greater than what society would let people in the tens or in the sixties at, at either time be. And it's just it's a glorious movie, and you should go watch it if you haven't seen it in a long time. Because Grace is about ready to drop the hammer on some stuff. I am about ready to drop the hammer, unfortunately. We've talked about so many good things about this movie. And I do, like, overall, this movie was incredibly progressive for its time. It was ahead of its time. Um, I I am so, I'm so delighted every time I watch it. I just revel in the beautiful qualities. Um, but... <laughs> there are some problems there and we want to be fair to all of the movies that we discuss there's going to be there's going to be a balance there's always a balance um i told you we'd come back around to pl travers who i did 
think worse of than she actually was at the same time. <laughs> it's the she 60s. was still a white British or I mean under the crown um, author in the sixties and what co- well actually thirties to sixties and what comes yeah. with that is a heavy hand of racism. racism. I I can't even articulate exactly because I think it would just be tasteless. Yeah, all of the things that. Ta- like all, all of all the things poor, that happen in the books. poor representations that happen in the books, but I think most importantly, um, as it pertains to the movie, the in the books the chimney sweeps were a very extremely thinly veiled racial slur to um, black South Africans in England. Um, really, really, really vicious portrayal in the books um now in the movie it's sanitized it does what like white christmas does to holiday in or like it's the answer to holiday in is like well we'll just take all of the racism out and mm. pretend it was never there yeah which is arguably better than it being there i mean it's traumatizing for it to be shown yeah. but it's still trying to blot out Parts that are very important to remember. Um, probably the worst thing that happens in the movie is when Mary Poppins deliberately darkens her face. And it's yeah. meant as a cheeky moment, right? She's using She's like, it like it's, it's blush. Yeah. But it's dirt. And it's kind of a joke. But it is a nod to blackface. And I, we can't not mention that. It maybe is one of those where that, especially that moment right yeah. there, probably we shouldn't have had. Just take it out. Take it out. Probably could still have the chimney sweeps. Yeah, even. I mean, it is still a profession, and the the rooftop dancing isn't what makes it worse. I think, and this is the same issue with that I have with White Christmas, which we're, yeah. we're not talking about it we're right now. But Christmas. it's the same issue: is that well, if you're going to sanitize the racism out of it, it looks worse if you don't have any people of color in your cast, and they really don't. And they didn't. There, there are musicals from this time period that do better with that yeah. than this movie. Now, it's set in England, but there were black people, were black in, England people in England in the 60s and even and in, in the 1910. 1910. Um, there's not a great reason other than Race. grade A, you know, racism Straight and uh, segregation yep. um, that... Uh, they couldn't that have was been the reason for that. Yeah, it's it's inexcusable, and as much as we love this movie, we're not going to give it a free pass on that. Yikes! No. Yeah. Yikes! You have to look at things with both sides, like of the coin of, mm-hmm. of the good and the bad, mm-hmm. um, because that gives you the full the full view of it. Like exactly, we're not trying to like gaslight anyone here into anything. So we want to. No, it's we, not a perfect film, and it makes our point more special when it. When things are good, that you can mention the good things if you are able to look at it and mm-hmm. not turn a blind eye towards the things that were bad. Yeah. Like, I we think are trying to be smart. We are trying to be smart and conscientious about talking about these films. I also would like to say that it does undercut its socialist message <laughs> in the very last minute, which is, is so, so obnoxious. Now, I get, I get that George Banks still has to have a job. It's still 1910 England. He can't just not work. So for those of you who but... haven't seen it in a while, I'm just going to remind you what happens. Um, uh, basically, the bankers are out there flying their kite, too, and they're like, hey, guess what? You get your job back. And Grace gets really angry, and she's like, you undermine your whole thing. And he's then... like, thank you so much. And everything's fine. Everything's and he's fine. still 
contributing <laughs> to the imperialist. He goes right back into capitalist it. bank, and right he's happy to go it. back. And he's gonna be a better dad, but he's still gonna like fuck over a bunch of <laughs> impoverished people in foreign countries, and that is disappointing to me because I wish they could carry that message through to the larger concepts, and that is. They took such an easy way out. They, did, They're they like, took an easy way uh-oh, out. Uh-oh, he needs a job. It would actually honestly be fine if he just, if it ended without him having a job. Like, I, mm. I would be okay with that. I wouldn't I be don't worried need to about know. them. I'm he's like, gonna he's going to find fine. another job. He's a white man <laughs> in 1910 England. He will be okay. He can find a different job. I don't need to know. He goes back to the bank. <laughs> Let me believe that George Banks actually saw the flaws in the entire system, not just in how it pertains to him and they do undercut that a bit because it's disney (laughs) um because they do that they do that like oh you just had to come in at the last minute and just barb me a little bit yeah but but i think the message still stands i almost wonder if that was a last minute addition in order to maintain the status quo a little bit so Mm -hmm. i major side eye to that moment (laughs) but i don't it's not enough to truly undermine everything else that happens in the show it's like the Mm. reverse of when like kate winks at the audience at the end of taming of the shrew (laughs) where it's like "Mm, that does not undo all the abuse (laughs) that we just watched on stage so let's just be clear (laughs) like that in this way it's like just because he takes his job back does not undermine the socialist message that we hear i mean loud the birds is Feed the Birds is a socialist anthem. I don't care what you say. That is exactly what that song is about. That song is about recognizing the needs of your fellow man and meeting them when you can. And that is how society works or should work. Feed the Birds away from me, no matter where he works at the end. Absolutely correct. So, all that to say, Mary Poppins is good. Mary Poppins was good. Mary Poppins was good, but more than it was good, it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. It's Roll not credits. perfect. <laughs> ahead of its time. What's the Joseph saying? <laughs> ahead of your time. Someday we're going to get rights. We're never going to get, because we don't care about paying money. But Andrew Joseph and the Lloyd amazing Weber will never give our little podcast the rights to play that Ahead music. of its time. I was saying it really badly it and anyway. off key so that nobody can come at me because I can't This sing. podcast is... Not only for musical theater kids, but you are going to miss a little bit if you're not a musical theater kid. And so to anyone listening who does not know the musical theater canon, I'm sorry. Not sorry enough to change anything, though. That is just just kind of going to come up. (laughs) That's why it's with Grace and Carly. It's in the name. It's all good. Thank you Anywho, for coming roll on this credits. journey with us. Welcome back. Welcome it's back. It's good to be back. It's good to interact with you. You really lost steam there. I'm so sorry, but that was just like, you came out swinging, and then you were like, oh, oh no. no. I, I don't know. I want to interact with you, but I don't really interact with anybody. It's a podcast. We sit in our room, and we 
put it out into space. We are so grateful that you are here (laughs) on this journey with us. Um, And we've got a bunch of uh, new episodes coming up in the next Mm -hmm. few weeks. I believe that next week you're going to hear about Dear Evan Hansen. (laughs) So go watch So buckle up and maybe go watch it in theaters. don't. Um, Or not. But do. We'll give you a quick rundown. (laughs) It's going to be chaotic. Like, ah, ah. I don't even know where to begin. We haven't even seen it yet. We haven't seen it. We're just it's gonna be bad. You saw Ben Platt's makeup. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Jesus Christ. And we kind of know the story, so we we know enough to to put it on our story. On our to-dos. But that will be for next week. For this week, have a lovely lovely time. Um, We love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. Our marketing coordinator is Charlotte Dismore. We're so grateful for all the materials Thank that you, she Charlotte. puts together for us. She's the literal best. Um, yes, Charlotte. Um, I'd like to thank Grace Helmke oh. for putting in so much more effort than I did. Um, she's great, and she did a lot of other stuff that she's not going to acknowledge because she did it, but I will vaguely acknowledge that she does stuff for this podcast, and also, she should be acknowledged. You guys don't care about the shit that I did. Like, it's <laughs> you'll you'll see it in the abstract, and that's enough <laughs> and for that's me. And that's enough, but she's great. Thank you. Carly is also great. Carly had this idea. It wouldn't be here without Carly Reinvold. She was the one who was like, I want to start a podcast. So now you have a history of, of how we started. Yes, now we're that's going. the history of. So here's the thing. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Bye! If you like this podcast and can't get enough of Grace and Carly's hot takes, join us on our Patreon account. Where we have video segments, bonus content, and every episode of the podcast completely ad-free. We have monthly memberships for $3 a month or $5 a month. And if you commit for three months, you can get an awesome sticker. Plus, we will be sure to give you a shout out on our next episode. Head over to patreon.com forward slash so here's the thing. And help us reach our goal of 10 new subscribers this season. Setting the bar high. See you next time. Bye. Bye.